Welcome to Peace and Resist. Aloha, everyone, and welcome to Peace and Resist, an activism podcast. Your hosts today are, of course, Peyton in Louisiana. Hey, Peyton. And we have Cadro in Los Angeles. Hey, Cadro. Uh, of course, we are back at it. Hey, it's great to be with you again. You were so right to take a break, to take a week off. We are back, recharged, and ready. We're going to talk today about Patsy Mink. This one is set in Hawaii. That's amazing. I've been uh, really enjoying um, Hawaii from afar, unfortunately. Yeah, right? I mean, we talked about, um, in our recent episode with Ed Roberts, he got to swim with the dolphins, swim with the uh, whales, if I, if I remember correctly. You know, in Hawaii, we're, we're surrounded by Hawaii in these stories, Peyton. I think we both need to make our own individual trip soon. <laughs> I, I've literally, that's been like my ex-go-to destination. Ooh. As I, like literally this month, I was like, I want to go to Hawaii. Which I island? Was, I don't know. I, I, I'm... I'm, I have not researched nearly enough. Uh, well, I just decided that I don't have Hawaii money yet. <laughs> I have Hawaii Well, hopefully this podcast takes off. We'll get advertisers in Hawaii. We'll, we'll promote Kona Coffee. And we'll make moves to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to go to Maui. We're going to start in Maui. So maybe that'll be a destination spot for you. I can't wait. I am really excited for this one today, Peyton. I am stoked. We're going to talk about Patsy Mink, and she is a real, a real trailblazer. Yeah, she's the first woman of color and the first Asian American woman elected to Congress, and she was the first woman elected to represent Hawaii in Congress. That's amazing. It really is. I mean, you're going to see, and everyone's going to see with this story, you know, and, I, and I'm just, uh, it's so inspiring. It's incredible what she worked through. The parallels for some of the stories we've heard. I'm ready to get into this if you are. I'm ready. The main source for today is Life Story, Patsy Mink, 1927 to 2002, Congresswoman and Equal Rights Supporter, from Women and the American Story at whams.ny.com. Patsy Mink was born Patsy Takamoto in 1927 in the territory of Hawaii, on the island of Maui. Hawaii didn't become a state until 1959 under President Dwight D. Eisenhower, and so right now it's just a territory. She was able to attend school as she grew up in a middle-class family, and that meant she wouldn't have to spend her days working on sugar plantations. The first successful sugar plantation was launched on Kauai in 1835, and sugar exports surged as the U.S. entered the Civil War. Food shortages did occur during the war. I had read how Abraham Lincoln set up a blockade in the South, and that actually led to a high demand in a lot of foods, a lot of shortages. And so that's part of what led to Hawaii just booming with sugar exports. That's really interesting. I, I, I don't remember where that blockade is, but I remember learning that in my, like, Louisiana American history classes. Um, right, because with the Mississippi Delta nearby, relatively, right. it's a whole, it's just a port area. It's a shipping destination, a shipping uh, center. Ah, right. Because you're right in the Gulf of Mexico and everything. We have New Orleans, the yeah. main port at this time, especially. Hmm. 
Well, if I remember Bad Lieutenant, the movie, it's called Port of Call, New Orleans. So there, it has port in the name. Look at me bringing Nicolas Cage. The Oahu Sugar Strike of 1920 took place. This strike included two unions, the Filipino-American Filipino Labor Union and the Japanese-American Federation of Japanese Labor. From January to July of 1920, 8,300, 8,300 field workers were on strike. So this is kind of right before she's born, but she was lucky to be able to attend high school at the time instead of working in these sugar plantations. She graduated high school as a valedictorian and president of her class in 1944. I love that. I often hear politicians talk about how they were like student body government people. Um, they were elected at some point in high school or college. Uh, and she did. She was elected president of her class at her high school, and she was later elected to Congress. I I love that. Yeah, it's this like it's this parallel in their life. It's like it's in their bones. It's in their DNA to not just be leaders. Because I heard a quote one time where you don't have to be in management to be a leader. You don't have to be in the upper realms to be a leader. But she, it's in her DNA to represent. Right. Yeah, so I love what you said there. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's so cool. She kept it local and attended Hawaii University as a pre-med student, but doctors were not women at this time. The gender inequality in the field of medicine at this time was extreme. A change was in order, and soon she decided to head to the States to attend the University of Nebraska. When she arrived, she was required to live in a segregated dorm set up for international students and students of color. Patsy led the charge to overturn this policy, and in less than a year, she was able to rally scores of people to support the cause, from alumni and teachers to current students, parents, and the local community. And the University of Nebraska ended this racist policy of housing segregation. Patsy was a third-generation Japanese-American with her grandparents arriving in Hawaii from Japan, and she would not stand for discrimination based on her background. Her bachelor's degree was completed in 1948 with a focus on zoology and chemistry. She applied to 10 medical schools and was denied entry into every single one because she was a woman. But she was able to get accepted into the University of Chicago Law School, graduating in 1951. So already she's breaking through barriers, right? And that's where she met and fell in love with geologist and graduate student John Mink. Patsy Takamoto became Patsy Mink in 1951, and they had a daughter together, Gwendolyn. The young family had also gone back to Hawaii in 1951, with Hawaii still being a territory until 1959. She passed the bar in 1953. So she's looking at med school. She's looking at law school. I mean, the talent is there. Like you said, you can kind of, you can almost see her future as she's running for a school president as she's valedictorian you know it's building into so much more it's a natural progression for sure yeah. she's like just yep. climbing her way up um and defeating every obstacle i mean yeah. in her past she changes things that she doesn't like she fights she she really is just a trailblazer while she was able to attend law school she could not find work in the field of law or at any law office because of her status as a woman. But it wasn't just her status as a woman. It was actually three factors that employers didn't like. And we kind of covered this in our Ruth Bader Ginsburg episode. Number one, she was a woman. Number two, she was a mother. 
Number three, she was in an interracial marriage. For number two, the fact of being a mother, employers didn't like that at the time, and they discriminated against mothers because they thought, well, you can't work as much. You have too many responsibilities, which is obviously absurd. What does a clearly qualified Patsy Mink do with a law degree and no job availability? Start her own practice, of course. She fielded the cases that the big firms rejected, several of these firms likely being the ones who rejected her employment application. These cases Patsy took on were about helping people. She worked on a lot of divorce and adoption cases, about family, you know? And she made just that point to focus on family and women-related issues. I, as a person that is, like, interested in law school for, like, this same reason of, like, aiming to help the people that are not helped very much in modern law. Um, mm -hmm. I like super resonate with this because she literally was like, well, you, none of y'all want to hire me? Great. Well, I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to do everything that y'all can't do because y'all ain't it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. just think yeah, girl. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And it's like, this to me, I'm going to take it to a nerd level. And it's like, this to me is what a superhero is. Agreed. She is a superhero. I, I, you know? I guessed it on a, a different podcast a few days ago I recorded. Ooh. And one of the closing questions in that podcast is, uh, who is your favorite superhero? And Ooh, my cool. answer to that question was, I can't, I thought about this, but you know, I couldn't think of a real superhero so i'm just gonna tell you this person and it was an advocate that i have worked with since the beginning of my like advocacy careers and yeah. they're a superhero to me so i yeah, completely agree so that superheroes advocates are superheroes in their own right yeah what's the name of that person if you want to mention them if you want to shout them yeah out. dylan magaspack he he's uh, my great yeah. friend and mentor president of lta um, exactly. Dylan runs uh, LA Trans Advocates, is the president, yeah. you said. Yeah. Yeah, he's badass. amazing. And yeah. uh, he has shaped my advocacy from literally the beginning of it. So. Um, that's amazing. He is my little superhero. <laughs> yeah, that's it's the kind of thing when, when you see Dylan in action or when you see him working, you see the cape. Exactly. Yeah. Usually it's in the form of a blazer. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a better look. Yeah, a stylish blazer. There you go. That's what's up. Does it have the hoodie and everything built in? No, he just always has he a great style. I couldn't confirm the date of this quote from Patsy Mink, but she speaks in true fashion for even today. Women are just as capable of being heads of state as men. Some of the most forceful leaders of history, from the time of Queen Elizabeth to Israel's Golda Meir. And India's Indrika Gandhi, in our own time, have been women. Miss Gandhi, incidentally, is prime minister of 530 million people, more than twice the population of the U.S. While Patsy was building her own law practice, she was also getting deeper and deeper in with the local Democratic Party. Republicans had controlled Hawaii's House of Representatives and Senate seats, which were delegate seats since the 56th Congress of 1899 to 1901, with, again, Hawaii being a territory. But the revolution of 1954 
saw Democrats take over Hawaii's national representation, and we see how deeply blue Hawaii is even still today. Patsy was deeply involved in the organizing to push Democrats into Hawaii's national and statewide representation, partly because disenfranchised Japanese Americans, many being veterans, were tired of being treated as inferior. Korematsu versus the United States from 1944 was a Supreme Court case that defined racism against Japanese Americans by bringing the Japanese internment camps of World War II to the country's highest court. In a deeply troubling judgment, the court ruled in favor of segregation, racism, and against civil liberties. So Japanese Americans were dealing with a lot of undue discrimination and much worse. Yeah, I'm also going to be Googling the revolution in 1954. How cool is that? I was tripping when I read about, about that. How they party switched Hawaii. And it reminds me of kind of the South flipping after the Civil Rights Act from Lyndon B. Johnson in 64, but in the reverse. And again, let's go to Hawaii. Let's go, girl. <laughs> yeah, probably nicer to me than where I am right now. Uh, yeah, but you don't want to go with me. You want to break from me when you go. <laughs> we could go film a live episode in Hawaii. <gasps> oh, can we do a can we do a live show in Hawaii? You know, what? let's do a weekly live show from Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> it's on. <laughs> it's a business expense. Yeah, exactly. We'll chalk it up to that. <laughs> Patsy ran for Hawaii's House of Reps in 1956 but Democratic leaders weren't convinced a Japanese-American woman could win. She'd show them, though. That year, she was elected to the territory of Hawaii's House of Representatives. When Democratic Party leaders doubted she could win the Hawaiian Territory Senate race of 1958, she won that seat, too. They gotta stop doubting her. You know, they definitely should, but I do appreciate when women say, okay, doubt me and watch when I win. Yeah, um, exactly. You know. Haters gonna hate. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I said that in a job interview once and it cinched the interview for me. In 1964, Patsy Mink was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. And Peyton, as you mentioned earlier, she was the first Asian American woman, the first woman elected from Hawaii, and the first woman of color elected to Congress. While Patsy was surging up the ranks of the territory's local Congress, Hawaii became an official U.S. state in 1959. Number 50. She had run for this seat and lost, but didn't give up until she was elected in 1964. In 1970, Patsy gave a speech to the U.S. House of Representatives called The Status of Women, starting with the powerful line. I am convinced that women in America do not really understand the extent and nature of the discrimination still practiced against them. President Nixon nominated a judge to fill a vacant Supreme Court seat, Judge George Carswell, was a well-known denier of equal rights for women. Each Supreme Court justice goes through nomination hearings with Congress, and Patsy called this nomination an affront to the women of America. Patsy was wielding significant power as a trailblazer and as a U.S. representative. So in 1972, Patsy Mink was the lead author for Title IX. This is maybe what she's best known for, and the significance of Title IX can't be understated. Part of the text of Title IX reads, No person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Mm. And from the Women's Sports Foundation, 
Title IX gives women athletes the right to equal opportunity in sports in educational institutions that receive federal funds from elementary schools to colleges and universities. It's incredible. It's incredible. And so, you know, do you mind if I share a quick short story? Yeah, absolutely. So my grandma's no longer with me, you know, but growing up, she took care of me. She knew I needed um, to hear positivity with stuff going on as I grew up. And she shared a lot with me. There's a reason to be thankful every day, a reason to smile. There's always look at look at the nature, look at the sky, look at the incredible beauty in the world and be thankful and, and find reasons to be happy. But she also helped me to become a feminist early on. She is one of the leading reasons of why I consider myself a feminist. And I never like to talk about that and say it. I, I like to try and just live it as much as possible. She explained to me how she was an incredible high school basketball player. And at that time, they didn't have scholarships for women. So she didn't go to college. And she could have gotten, she likely could have gotten a basketball scholarship to college if Title IX was existing during that time for her. And so that is one reason why I'm, I'm so pro-women, why I support women so much, because it's not just that I see my grandma and a lot of the strong women, the, the trailblazers, but it's more about the opportunity that every woman should have had from the start of our really industrialization when we started moving towards this modern society. Uh, you know, obviously from day one before that, but I'm talking in the workplace, in, in our organizations. I mean, as soon as those started forming, women should have had the opportunity. And it's incredible what Title IX does. And it, it's, it makes me uh, kind of, you know, I get, I get up in my feelings about it. It's very, very powerful um, for this to exist. And uh, it's too bad it wasn't sooner for, for people like my grandma, but it also made them the women that she was, that, um, you know, she was out there knocking on doors and selling uh, real estate at a time when women weren't really doing that. You know, so I really love these stories and, it, and it's kind of a personal thing for me. And I, uh, so thanks for letting me share that real quick. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I think that's really beautiful. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing in modern, in 2021, we're seeing women's rights be like attacked. Um, for example, their right to have an abortion which multiple states, especially in the South, are uh, criminalizing and banning. Texas just banned abortion at six weeks, roughly. Mm -hmm. um, and there are many other states working on similar bills. Also, uh, Title IX was cited in the Louisiana legislature and probably many others in support of banning trans women from participating in transforming sports so you know mm. it, i i say that not to talk bad about title nine but to show and to like share more of that like women's rights are being attacked and they're even using the good stuff like title yeah. nine to attack and discriminate which you know i i, I don't want to speak for patsy mink i don't know if she was um, an LGBTQ advocate of any kind, but like I would like to think, as you know, a fierce advocate um, that fought against discrimination in so many different ways, that she would at least not support the discrimination against trans people that is happening now and has flooded the U.S. Uh, and of which cites Title IX in their arguments. Uh, thank you for breaking that down. And so 
It's incredible how this legislation that is doing so much good has done so much good. Like you said, it's it's built for for great purpose and it's being poisoned by people who are trying to twist it and twist the words of it and the language of it and the purpose of it. And and I totally I'm with you. We cannot stop. You know, we talked about in Trans 101 about the necessity of allies, about how to be a better ally. And men need to continually be better allies to women. It, it's not over. It, the fight for equality is far from over. And even when, if, let's say we get to a utopian place where you and I are on equal footing, Peyton, where I'm on equal footing with my white coworkers, where, you know, et cetera, right? If we get there, then we need to spend time defending that. So, absolutely. you know, I'm with you in this fight. Yeah, absolutely. Patsy Mink was also a fierce environmental rights advocate. And that makes sense with her being from Hawaii with so much ocean around. I mean, there are a lot of awesome environmental advocates from the Hawaiian Islands. And Yeah, uh, Hawaii is in a similar situation to Louisiana, you know, where oh. a drastic amount of it is threatened by the rise of sea levels. But unlike Hawaii, no one is really doing anything here in Louisiana. Um, mm. I I really am just seeing a lot of interesting parallels. Um, yeah, like they flipped parties, we flipped parties the opposite mm-hmm. way. <laughs> you know, like it. Yeah, it, it sounds like we're we have some things. I, I have some things to learn from Hawaii's success. Maybe you're trending towards the progression that Hawaii went through. Right, and they did it in, what, like the 60s? Um, yeah, 54 50s. was the revolution, and right. really it was about the 40s was when the, you know, during World War II with the Japanese internment camps, which created right. the issues with Japanese Americans being so disenfranchised and, and just treated so poorly. And so that led to a lot of the 50s changes that you saw. And like right now, with this incredible pushback against women's rights, against like abortion and what you talked about, the pushback against trans rights, against everything that we see that is going on to fight equality and everything, we're doubling down on the effort against it as well. Just like, you know, I think uh, there was a story where Patsy, when they doubted her the first time and she ran for the house, she went and knocked on like every single door in the district, basically, and just hustled you know and so it's like that and that's what that's what you're doing you know with your work constantly that's what dylan is doing everyone on your team and uh, it inspires the hell out of me peyton that's for sure we really do have some great people here in louisiana fighting i will say yeah you are (laughs) (laughs) after serving from 1965 to 1977 in the house of representatives Patsy rejoined the House again from 1990 until she passed away in 2002. Title IX was renamed the Patsy Mink Equal Opportunity in Education Act in 2002. And that concludes our walk with Patsy Mink. I've never heard Title IX referred to as the Patsy Mink Equal Opportunity in Education Act, and I feel, like, upset about that. Hmm. Like, yeah. Why has that never, in all of the educational places that I've seen, Title IX, why has no one called it that? Yeah. I'm not, like, questioning everything. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. The whole world is is a sham. No, but really, 
I'm, I'm with you because when I was researching, I, I get everything from the library, right? For whenever I can find a book, it's through the library. Um, it's the most cost-effective way I've found. And so, um, but I'm, I couldn't find a single book to rent on Patsy Mink. And it's the similar thing where I was frustrated by that. And it's like, we need more books on our Asian American heroes, Native American yeah. heroes, all of them, everyone. Like, but I was stunned that there wasn't a single option available for her. So, so I get it. I get what you mean by that. And it's an excellent point. You nailed it. I have not heard of it as the Patsy Mink Equal Opportunity Act either. Yeah, like, that, that is some kind of oppression. Absolutely. Um, I, yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, she should I be attached like to that I, history. Exactly. She deserves it. She earned it. I feel like I want to go back to every person that says Title IX and be like, um, it's actually the Patsy Making Equal Opportunity and Education <laughs> Act. Thank you very much. Yeah, just shake them. Just shake them. It's the Patsy Making. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long yeah. name, but I don't care. They're gonna get used to it. You know what? It's like HR4, right? Yeah, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Exactly. It sounds great. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> it's so smooth. And, and we can say the Patsy Make Equal Opportunity Act you know, or, of course, if you want to be uh, super cool about it, the PMEOEA of 2002. Practice yeah. your peace. Thank you for listening. And keep on resisting. <laughs>